Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Under the Scope podcast where we discuss music. Uh, I am your host, Will Brost, and tying the all-time record for co-hosting the Under the Scope podcast, Patrick Anderson. I mean, I never thought that I'd get here, but, you know, here we are. Yeah, you and I are tied. starting the podcast. We're we're tied for the most consecutive co-hosting appearances on the Under the Scope podcast. I know. We're, we're going head-to-head. Head. We're just workaholics, the two of us. 50 or so podcasts in the course of the only reason <laughs> The only reason that we that we keep doing these is, is, is like, uh, the hopes that maybe one of us ducks out and we just do a solo podcast so that we can hold that over the other for the rest of right. just a, this a, time. Just an hour-long monologue. That's the dream. That's what people just, want. You can, you can be like, uh, one, one day when I'm not there, it's just like... Hey there, and I, this is Will Brost, your host, and welcome to the podcast, and I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, last time, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and say this right off the bat. We bring up Kanye every podcast, so yes, we are doing a Kanye West <laughs> album review of the Yay album. Yay? Is that just Yay, right? Yep, Yay, lowercase. Lowercase Yay. yay. So it's like, yay, like that kind of inflection. Oh, I gotcha. That's deep. It's like, yay, but under the surface, it's not right. really... Right, you, you gotta know this kind of stuff when we're talking about yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. The, you're right. The pseudo-deep stuff. Anyway, so we're, we are going to do that next time. Um, but this time, we enjoyed our State of the Music podcast experiment we tried last time so much that we're doing it again. This is our second the state of music podcast where we just talk about you know what's going on what's going on in the music news right now what's what's Mm -hmm. everyone talking about you know what are the uh the controversial stories that's got everyone buzzing you know um so we're eventually going to get to amir van's departure from brockhampton we are eventually going to get to the controversy behind donda's house the the kanye west rhyme fest uh charity but first, keeping up with the uh, the tradition of mentioning Kanye on every podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of our three stories every time has to be Kanye. You know, so uh, he, we're saving Kanye for last. Um, but first, we can't not talk about Drake versus Pusha T. Um, yep. uh, everyone knows what's going on, so I'll just give the briefest recap. Um, they've thrown subliminal shots at each other for years. Um, but on Pusha T's recent album closer, Infrared, from the new Daytona album, uh, he dissed Drake's using uh, the fact that he uses ghostwriters. You know, same kind of thing Meek Mill went after him for. Uh, Drake responded with Duppy Freestyle. Uh, and on that track, he bragged about his success. He implied that Pusha T's not a top five member of good music. Uh, he reminded Pusha T that, hey, you work with Kanye, he's used ghostwriters before. Uh, He insinuated that Pusha T lies about how much coke he sold. Uh, He mentioned Pusha T's fiance by name, uh, and a bunch of other things as well. Um, Then Pusha T came back uh, with the story of Adidon. Adidon? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, Adidon. Adidon. Uh, So on this song... uh, Wow. Uh, Pusha T raps over the story of OJ Beat from the Jay-Z album. Uh, He reminds Drake that his dad left him when he was five, 
Uh, he outed Drake as being a deadbeat dad to a secret child that he had with a porn star. And he casually mentioned that one of his best friends is going to die of MS soon. Uh, that being 40, the longtime Drake producer. Uh, the cover art for this song features a real picture of Drake wearing blackface. Wearing blackface? Wearing blackface. In, in blackface. In blackface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, in blackface and wearing a Jim Crow shirt. Uh, so right. Drake has not responded musically, um, but he did uh, hit Instagram and explained his decision to wear or wear the Jim Crow shirt and appear in blackface. Uh, and that's been a while now, so I'm just going to guess that there isn't a musical response coming. Um where do you want to start with this whole thing? I don't even know. Yeah, there's so much here. Honestly. Yeah. It was, like, scary. The <laughs> level that Pusha T brought this beef to. I've, like, I was, like, very nervous for Drake after hearing all of this. Well, and it's, it Drake, his disc was pretty good. It was almost it was, on the same... It, Sorry, what's that? It, yeah, it was like it was like cool, like it was like uh, like oh damn, that was cool. Like he he was like quick with his with his uh, lyrics and you know and and I don't know he had some like kind of cool like uh, uh, jabs to make. Yeah, where he but, uh, he started shouting out the Kanye West songs, you know, the, the father right. stretched his hand and asked for help kind of thing. You know, that was kind of cool. But the thing is, he's not he's not going up against Meek Mill this time. He's, right. Yeah. <laughs> this is he underestimated that. Yeah, he uh it's it's a whole different thing because there's there's two types of rappers who do beef. Uh you're either the guy who you think you're winning the beef because you're the most successful, you make the most money, you're more popular. And then there's the the other kind of hip hop artist who takes beef very personally and just wants to get at your throat. And uh, Drake versus Meek Mill was kind of a matchup of the former. Both of them kind of view themselves as popular artists, and you know that that's what they hang their hat on. But Drake going up against Pusha T, a guy who, when he was our age, was studying Ether versus Takeover. You know, he was he was admiring Hit 'Em Up versus Biggie Smalls. You know, all of that. No Vaseline. He grew up on some of the more vicious hip-hop beefs and diss tracks and so it frankly he just outclassed drake in just about every possible way um yeah i don't think that there's any i don't i don't know if there's anything that you could say about drake's diss that was better i don't think you can honestly like the from like the even the imagery that he used like the imagery that he used was like just like the the uh the like ring that had like all those um, OVO symbols on it oh, that yeah. were like really, really ornate. So the whole like his whole dubby freestyle was basically just like, um, "How dare you come at me? Because this is how awesome I am." And Pusha T comes <laughs> back with like like he's not he's not focused on himself at all because that's the thing. Like Drake right. basically invited Pusha T to come back at him. By saying like by like by hyping himself up, 
mm-hmm. above Pusha T. Pusha T had nothing to say about him. He had everything to say about Drake and more. <laughs> it's uh, I hate doing the uh, the recency bias thing. I try to not mm-hmm. get too caught up in the moment on this podcast. The story of Adidon is is it's one of the best diss songs I've ever heard. Just all things considered. It's yeah. It's it's real. I mean, it's equal parts brutalism and investigative journalism as well. Like <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Like it's a good example of some like damn good investigative journalism too. <laughs> yeah, and and on on diss tracks, you'll kind of hear what is the the Drake line from back to back. He said, uh, th- like the best line from that is, "You need to act your age and not your girl's age or whatever." Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Or he said that in some song, and it was a good diss, but everyone kind of knew that he was dating someone much younger than him. This time it's different because Pusha T is our source for this information. No one knows any of this. And then Pusha T's like, oh, by the way, no one really knows this, but (laughs) you are hiding a child uh, with a porn star. It's just... The thing, the thing about all of this is, and and he's and he's and the whole title of it is him like accusing him of being like using his child's like like yes. announcing his child's birth in in the way of just rolling out an Adidas line too. Yeah, like just basically using him for his own profit yeah. instead of being an actual dad. What is the the lyric? Is something like your son deserves better than an Adidas product placement or something like that yeah then uh, yeah yeah i mean paraphrased but yeah that's right. that's what it is yeah yeah and and the, the brilliant thing with that is that adidas line isn't even out yet <clears throat> so when it does come out if it's still going to be yeah. under that name you might search adidon on the internet and the first thing you're going to see is drake and blackface yep just ruined that brand before it even became a thing he he like did something that like not a lot of people have been able to do because a lot of people have hated on Drake in the hip hop world too um, for a long time. But but Drake's always been able to sort of bring himself above it by either beefing with people like Meek Mill who can't really you know hold up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or or just by you know just by being Drake, just by like like if people like not necessarily rap beefing but just like have a problem with him he's basically just like just just makes it okay by being drake by being that personality that celebrity that that everybody loves and being super charismatic and everybody's like oh come on now see but pusha t pushed so hard against him that he like exposed like this really terrible side that's like been so carefully covered up for ever it, and it's like, it, it's like almost, it's it's so damaging to him. And like, I, I don't know what is going to happen to Drake after this, honestly. It, it's very odd because it, the one thing I hate about a lot of rap beefs is that the winner, you think the winner is whoever your favorite artist is. Right. Generally, yeah. like, it's like, oh, well... Meek Mill won the Drake beef. Well, why is that? Well, you know, I like Meek Mill more. You know, it's stuff like that. Yeah, you'll find you'll find reasons. You will justify some way. Right, and the Jay Z Nas is the ultimate example of that because that was one of the most evenly matched 
you know, so everyone's just like, well, I like Jay-Z more. Well, this this is different. Drake has significantly more fans than Pusha T does, obviously. I can't find a single person who has just flat out said, like, oh, yeah, Drake won this. It, 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 it's it's the rare hip-hop beef that there is a clear winner. Um, right. And it's not the guy who has all of the fan support behind him. It, it, it's very odd and honestly kind of refreshing. It, it, I've missed this element of hip-hop um, as a fan. Yeah, it's it's like... <laughs> It's also kind of makes me nervous, like, because it's like, it's like if Drake comes back, like, if he comes back, I just, like, everybody has this feeling of, like, oh, no, oh, no, like, there's no way that Pusha T doesn't have just, like, a file cabinet oh. full of stuff on Drake. Yeah, was you it, know, uh... this is, this is, this is what he's laying out as his first diss track, and he's, and he's saying, like, you know, he basically taunts him at the end, saying like, "I really, w- I want to see what it's like when you're really angry. Show me." Yeah, like what I'm upset. I want to see what happens when you're. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm, like, I, I, that's that's what I wanted to ask you. Like, do like does Drake come back? Like, do you recommend he comes back with anything? Because it, I'm yeah. saying like absolutely not in in hip-hop history if i'm using again the jay-z nas example they went jay-z had uh, he dissed nas the nas came back and then jay-z came back at nas usually there's one artist who will do a, a second song in response to the song that was in response to their original song it's right. it's been tradition that said, Drake should absolutely not do anything. He, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if he's wise, he's going to just hold back for a little bit. And as soon as he comes out with you know, the number one album in the world, the people will start to forget about any of that. I would think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that, I think that you're right. I think that he'll definitely sink back into... <clears throat> a similar Drake persona after, like, the dust is cleared. But, like, I think that, like, I think Pusha T definitely did, if not permanent damage, definitely some long-lasting damage, too. Mm-hmm. Like, this is this goes, like, so far as to putting a dent in his legacy. You know what I mean? Because it's, right. like, it's like, it's like people that remember Drake now going forward. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, take care... Uh, nothing was the same. Blah blah blah. Talking about all that, and then talking about his celebrity stuff, and then and then uh, this has a, been a big enough thing in the media, and such an intense thing that like I feel like if even if it's not a big deal to somebody, they would at least remember like oh yeah, you know like five years from now, remember right. like Pusha T <laughs> did that to Drake. So it, uh, that's what's so impressive about this is how it just unflinchingly like evil <laughs> this is <laughs> my my preemptive take is that <clears throat> if this song somehow derails drake's career severely then it's the the greatest diss song in the history of hip-hop if for sure if it can take down drake yeah for sure like 100 percent right like, no one could take down... Like, Nas couldn't take down Jay-Z, and he's Nas. If Pusha T can take down Drake, then it's the single best 
victory ever. Um, <clears throat> but you mentioned something I wanted to bring up too. Pusha T has a lot more. He he's saving it, and he's mentioned that he's saving it both on the song and on, I guess, the Breakfast Club interview. He kind of he kind of implied that he had a lot more in the tank, um, which is just an example of just how perfectly he calculated this whole thing. Uh, he could have just released this as a song on the Daytona album, right? But he. He must have had this planned for a while because you don't just get all of that investigative journalism, you know, within a few days. He must have had this disc sitting in his back pocket. He poked Drake with the infrared lyrics, uh-huh. wait, baited Drake, waited for Drake to respond to that, and then said, "All right, you asked for it. Here we go." Yeah. And then just Oh, here, here's a, here's my my one question that I wanted to ask is: Do you think it went too far with anything? Um, I I don't know. Like the only thing that I would say is I like the the multiple think, sclerosis. Was, like, yeah, I I think we're kind of know, on the same page there. Uh, that's why like I asked. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I, but that part just felt like super mean. And uh, um, I don't know. I mean, like, the, I've seen people talking about, like, oh, he Pusha T is talking about how, like, Drake's a terrible person for keeping him in the studio and still working him. Like, he's just, you know, oh, I see. Alive, and, alive and well and everything like that. But, like, I feel like, I mean, the justification doesn't really need to be made on a diss track like this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel like it's like, it's pretty clear. Like he was, he was really just poking at him as hard as he could in every aspect. So I, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, it was a little bit unnecessary because yeah. it got, it got past, it also got past Drake. Like we're, he was just talking about his producer and I, I don't think 40 needed to really be involved with that at all that's that's he that he has nothing to do with it yeah right yeah that's that's pretty similar to my take it's um i mean on one hand all is fair in love and hip-hop beef but right but then again if that's like the best argument as to why Pusha T should have said that then i don't know if that's like a really convincing argument like as soon as you say oh maybe he went too far the response is like, oh, well, you should have, I mean, you would have hated listening to Tupac hit him up back in the day. And it's like, yeah, I probably would have, if you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, how, is that an argument? I don't know. But, but I agree with you in that it's too far because it, it's more weird than anything. Like, yeah, it's, right. It, like, this isn't Drake. This is some guy who had nothing to do with anything. It's like if you and I got in an argument and it got personal between us and then all of a sudden, just out of the blue, I was like, you know what? And how about your friend who's going to die of MS soon? You know, yeah, you'd be right. like, wait, what does that have to do with me? You know, so I, I don't know that I, I'm, I'm it, conflicted it on like, that. It felt like it felt like, you know, somebody that's like really like, like killing it at somebody like they're like they're like. Uh, dissing the shit out of them, roasting the shit out of them. Everybody's like, oh my god, this is awesome, and they're like getting amped up. 
And then they're like, yeah, and then your friend's going to die of the mess soon. And then everybody goes, ooh, you yeah, know, like, like at the end, like, <laughs> oh, I don't know about that one. There's a, there's a Key and Peele sketch where uh, Keegan-Michael oh, Ma- Keegan Key is an insult comic. And, uh, you know, the one guy's fat, and he's like, oh, make fun of me. And Keegan, you know, makes fun of how fat he is. And then, you know, the, he makes fun of the girl's looks because she asked him to. And then Jordan Peele's like a burn victim in a wheelchair, and he's like, make fun of me, because he has like a robotic voice or whatever. And then Drake does, and everyone's like, oh, come on, man. Or uh, uh, Keegan-Michael Key does, excuse me. Yeah. And then everyone's like, oh, come on, man, why'd you do that? So I'm glad that I could think of that. (laughs) That's that's immediately where my mind went. Yeah, it's a pretty good example of of like what it sort of felt like. Yeah, which, yeah, so I don't know, it's... It, it, it just seemed irrelevant, I guess. But yeah, and it, and it wasn't like that. Like <clears throat> it wasn't that long of a part on there, so to me, it felt a right. little unnecessary. Um, you know, I he I get he I don't know he he did a I don't know I don't want to say there was anything good about that because honestly, it just yeah. felt like really shitty. Well, and then the other thing is, if we're gonna play this game, then we have to mention that. Drake went at Kid Cudi's mental illness back when they were yeah. in a feud. So. Yeah, and that was that was shitty too. He he went after right. him while Kid Cudi was hospitalized. Right, right. So it's it's, I mean, both situations can be bad, but it might be a little hypocritical if you're a Drake fan to be like, well, Pusha T went too far, but you know Drake was, you know, he was fine with what he said. So. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't justify what Pusha T did or what Drake did or anything like that, but yeah, it's like, because both of those things are kind of shitty. Right. So, And so yeah. I think the popular opinion is that it, Pusha T was fine in saying what he said, but at the same time, the popular opinion is usually you want to see these artists be as brutal as they can. It's more entertaining when they are brutal to each other. So that bias might get in the way of like well wait a minute should they be saying what they're saying yeah so right. i don't know i mean it's that's the i'm very conflicted about that but all in all amazing diss track the duppy freestyle yeah. was good as well i don't want to just completely crap on drake here he he it was he did a yeah, fine job good. Yeah, yeah it was fine it was fine um yeah but it wasn't i mean this it wasn't to the level of this is. This is like this is taken over social media. I, uh, I I'm seeing a billboard or a billboard article that they wrote on, on this. The headline of this says: First Amendment experts on whether Pusha T straight disc could land him in court. <laughs> <laughs> so like that that shows you the level to where this was oh taken. <laughs> Like, we talked about well, the article is terrible because it's basically like no he can't take it <laughs> <laughs> but billboard did an entire article on it <laughs> that's, that's great yeah. they should hire push a t if they want real journalism um right exactly yeah <laughs> we talked about drake's legacy a little bit but like this is the rare disc where we shouldn't be worried about his legacy as much as we should be worried about his manhood. Like, he has a lot of questions he needs to answer. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, yeah. yeah. That, that's the crazy thing about this, too, is, like, now, because, like, with with a lot of diss tracks, it's like, 
you know, oh, how are you going to respond? Can you, you know, what, what do you have to say to him for saying that? But now it's like a thing of like, journalists are going to be coming up to him and be like, dude, what the fuck? Why aren't you telling anybody about this kid? Right, right. Like, what is going on? You know, like, th- that's a whole thing. Like, Pusha T caused him a whole media storm. Yeah, but it's like Pusha put him in a position where he can't win because traditionally what Drake was supposed to do was respond with another song. But you can't respond with another song to this track unless you, like, you got to get past this, all these, you know, rumors of you, you having a secret kid and a porn star baby mama and all that. And if right, you try yeah. to do that on a song, then that's not going to be a good diss song. So it, it's, a, it's a real tough spot. So Drake had to explain in a text about why he was in blackface. And now everyone's like, well, that was kind of lame. This is hip hop. Why didn't you rap about that instead of just? Yeah, but he didn't. Yeah, so so he didn't even. So that that was a kind of a lame post that he made anyway. Mm-hmm. But the other thing with that too, he didn't address the kid at he, all. He right. was just like, "Oh, let me talk about this image." So that just shows again he really doesn't care about whatever this kid is, and it's like, oh man, it, it's almost better if he didn't address any of it because now that he's only addressed part of it, it, it makes it fairly clear that he just doesn't want to talk about the other stuff. He's all yeah, yeah. and that's it the like other plays <laughs> into Pusha T's favor with with him like like not wanting to even mention that other thing. Right. It, it's just I kind of feel bad for Drake because. Pusha T won this as soon as you saw the album art or the cover art for the song. Yeah. It's like, right. oh, well, Pusha T won this. And then you listen to the song and you're like, oh boy. So, so yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I had to say about all of this. But it, I mean, I'm just thankful that we're getting. It's been a while since we've had a, a, a hip hop beef that's been worth talking about. That's, yeah. you know, that isn't just Twitter BS. We'll get to some Twitter BS later in this show. But, um, Drake versus Pusha T, very entertaining. Um, looks like Pusha T won. Like uh, I'd say, pretty unanimously. Yeah, which again the is the most impressive part is that he won unanimously against the biggest rap star in 15 years. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Amazing. All right. Ready to move on to the next? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Switching gears here. Uh, the Amir Van Brockhampton story. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So Brockhampton is fairly popular, but not immensely popular. So I'll kind of describe them a little bit. Uh, they're an up-and-coming hip-hop collective uh, who I personally find to be fairly enjoyable and like just undeniably creative. Uh, they released a trilogy of mixtapes last year. Uh, titled Saturation 1, Saturation 2, Saturation 3. The first of these mixtapes barely made my top 50 last year, uh, which was their only appearance on either of our lists. Um, Mm -hmm. Despite that, though, uh, I think I can speak for the both of us in that we found them at least interesting and that we've wanted to keep an eye on them going forward. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, Notable members, I mean, there's at least a dozen members but the the most notable ones include kevin abstract uh matt champion merlin wood and don mclennan uh the three mixtapes from last year featured member at the time amir van on the cover artwork for each one um 
recently uh, Amir Van was accused of sexual misconduct by multiple women. Uh, Brockhampton released a statement, which I will now read in its entirety. Amir Van is no longer in Brockhampton. We want to sincerely apologize to the victims affected by Amir's actions. We were lied to, and we're sorry for not speaking up sooner. We do not tolerate abuse of any kind. This is not a solution to their suffering, but we hope this is a step in the right direction. Uh, we are going to cancel the remaining dates of our current U.S. tour to go home and regroup. How do you think they handled the situation? Um, I think, I mean, I think that they were sort of put in a position where it was like almost the damned if they do, damned if they don't mm. kind of thing. Um, so I'm I'm in favor of what they did. I think that agreed. I, I think that them not kicking Amir out um, would have been a uh, would have been a really bad. It just would have it just would have been a really bad stunt for their image, especially starting out, you know, as this group. And it's I mean, like, I don't know what's going on with him, but I know that all of these all of these allegations have come out and it's it just it's it felt like it was basically like either him or the group was going to go down mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um kind of thing and and so i i respect it from that aspect i respect it also from the fact of like yeah he's definitely accused of all the sexual misconduct and if he's going to be that kind of person you don't want to have you don't want to have him in in your group that's that's i respect that a lot but it's been seeing people like mention things like you guys were supposed to be a family you know because they're they have this image of being like a super tight-knit group of people yeah. and almost like a family and they're like you guys are supposed to be a family you're supposed to be a tight group like you don't just kick out one of your family members after something like this happens you work through it together and that i thought was kind of interesting mm -hmm. but then i also like like i think that's an interesting statement like yeah that's true but then i also think like but i mean this isn't like actually a family this isn't you know they can still it's not like they're negating all contact with this person outside of the world of brockhampton that's just like this is this is their career this is their image this is their art and mm -hmm they don't have time for you know somebody that's going to bring that into their world and i i respect that i think that that's ultimately a good move but i i, I thought that that perspective or that idea of like oh you kicked out one of your family members was kind of interesting but then also kind of some fanboy shit yeah i, I think that i ultimately. think that that does add kind of an interesting wrinkle because it is a group it's not just i mean it yeah. it, it if this was Amir Van Solo, we would probably just, you know, there would be kind of a ban against him or just, hey, don't listen to this guy. But yeah, this... it'd be like the it'd be like the XXX stuff. Exactly right. So now it's like people won't go listen to them. Now I I I think Prot Campton did the right thing. And before I kind of get into my piece, I do want to say that these allegations are very public on Twitter. I didn't want to uh -huh. read them because the a lot of the story it, very, by the way it very courageous of anyone who spoke out against you know or was willing to share their story of, of what had happened 
Um, yeah. But it, it, it's a lot of uncomfortable, gruesome, disturbing stuff, so I didn't want to read it on the podcast, but it is out there on Twitter if you're interested. Um, but to what you said, I think it's... Honestly, in general, I just kind of want to applaud Brockhampton for what they've done, especially considering their age. Um, they, yeah, right. They, they are very young. Most of the members, I think are in their early 20s like at the max i think there are several teenagers in the group um it's in especially mature that they believed the uh the accusers and didn't just blindly believe their you know their friend or their their fellow member i i think it's a lot of people would have just assumed like oh no you know she's lying I know Amir Van. He wouldn't have done that. You know, they they avoided that. Um, right. They they were they were patient with their decision as well. Um, they didn't take too much time, but they they allowed themselves enough time to where they were confident in their decision. I thought the statement itself was it was well worded. It was straightforward. It was sympathetic. Um, and with the, the Me Too movement and Time's Up and whatnot, it's, it's all new, so we're all kind of trying to figure out in real time the, uh, the best way to handle these situations. Um, but right. with all of that considered, it, it's very difficult to handle, but I think they did as good of a job, I think, as anyone has in in situations like this especially in in music where we haven't really figured out what the proper punishment is um it's like is banning their music enough or is it enough to just take the music off of spotify or you know we're, we're still trying to figure a lot of things out but i think i come away from this becoming or being a bigger fan of brockhampton now than i was in the past uh and i look forward to what they do from here yeah, it was a real. I, I I like everything that you said with that. It was a real integrity move. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. On, it was. A, it was a stand-up move. I thought. Yeah, on their part, like it showed that they have consistent values that they're that they don't, you know, that they just don't abide from. Or is that the right way to say that they don't stray from? They don't stray from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Because that's the values that they abide by and don't stray from is what I meant. Mm. Um. And that's all. I mean, that's always something. That's something that everybody likes to see. That's something that's, um, I mean, part of being like a good person. But it's something that's also, yeah, kind of missing a lot of times, especially in bands, because it's like with them, it's it, they they don't know how it's going to turn out. They're really young. They just started out with their careers basically this year this past year was the blow-up year for them their debut album was set to release pretty soon yeah and and um and so this shows that they were like that they they don't they're okay with with making this big of a thing and 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 making this move over you know I, 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 over I don't know like ignoring it and then just putting out an album and then dealing with it later like they canceled their tour they delayed their album they're dealing with this first 
And I think that that's a really, that shows that there's actually some really good people behind this group. Right. It, especially for a group that hasn't quote unquote made it yet. Like they're still yeah, trying exactly. to get there, you know? Yeah. Cause if this is something that happens to like, I don't know, another big rap group, like, I don't know, like odd futures, whenever odd future was really big. Mm -hmm. So something like that happens to odd future. Like you expect them to deal with it. Like, pretty much right away um with brock hampton i mean i don't know they with their fans they wouldn't have been able to get get away with doing it right away there would have been some controversy there but like this thing was never gonna make like big headlines they're not that big of a group right so for them for, for them to just act on it that quickly is like that show that they have real they have real character and they have and they have real ambition and they don't want to be associated with that and i think that that's i think that that's really cool so yeah i i agree with you i uh i i i've been seeing a lot of things of people like talking about like oh i'm worried that you know people are going to be thinking about this as like amir and brockhampton instead of brockhampton as mm -hmm. a whole mm-hmm um and like things like that which are kind of interesting but so what i've been thinking like with that is like i mean they're a boy band they have like what 14 members so, I, at like, least a dozen yeah some like that um so what's i mean what's keeping them from adding in somebody that you know can just be not not the new amir but just like that i mean like I don't see like a huge issue in that of like um, people saying like oh it's good it's going to tear Brockhampton apart because it's going to be basically people looking at Amir versus Brockhampton. Right. Yeah, and um, I guess as far as musical ramifications um, to what you said that they have so many. Not only do they have so many members, but their members are they're so distinct in their styles that mm -hmm. that they sure they lose a mere van but they have so much creativity and talent on their roster that i don't think this is going to negatively affect them musically too much if at all um i i'm looking forward to the next album uh, which you know that might take a while depending on how far along they were in the process with Amir Van. Like, for all I know, the album is done, but now they have to do something with all the Amir Van verses on there. Um, so I don't know how far along they were in that process. Um, yeah, I wonder if they're gonna even going to keep it. Like, I wonder if they're just going to, like, scrap it into a whole new album. Yeah, maybe. You know? Yeah, maybe they just don't replace the verses. They just kind of do what Dr. Dre did, where he just scrapped Detox entirely and just made an entire new thing right right yeah yeah he might just do that um i guess as far as the i keep coming back back to the youth about the situation because not only is it great that they're they're young and they acted so maturely but of any hip-hop artist out right now i think they have like the youngest fan base or you know their fan base is generally like Fr mm -hmm. freshmen white boys in high school you know freshmen in high school you know whatever way to be redundant will um <laughs> yeah they're 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 like you know 15 year olds who are kind of looking for 
you know, some sort of some sort of musical idol, I guess. They're kind of in that stage of their life. And uh Yeah. And if their idols can be these people that are willing to take a stand in what I believe to be a positive way on issues such as these, then not only is Brockhampton acting in a way that is mature, but they're acting in a way that could potentially influence the youth in a very positive way as well. So that's kind of what that, I like about them. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because yeah, you're right. There's, I mean, their their majority of their fans, I would say, are very much um, younger, mm-hmm. younger teenagers to like even preteen age kids that are like just starting to get into hip hop, and they find this kind of stuff, and it and it and it's like cool, and you know. Mm-hmm it's catchy and good stuff to show to their friends. So yeah, that's a good point that like they, they, they now like have this are, are showing these people like, okay, this is how you can react to something like this. Right. You know, this is, this is what we think is right. So, you know, that's I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a really positive message to send out there. That's a really good point for, for a genre that, let's face it doesn't have a ton of just overly positive role models you know um so yeah well in in regards to in regards to this kind of stuff especially right that's the whole thing with hip-hop has been famously misogynistic absolutely degrading women you know um but but if this is and and i like how they they could have just disbanded they could have just yeah you know, I, I like that they're gonna try to make it work without him, um, because he he was a very prominent member. Uh, not, I mean, I I mentioned that he was the cover art guy, but he was a, a rapper uh, on several of their songs. He was honestly, he was one of the I thought better rappers, but that uh-huh. th- that doesn't mean he's irreplaceable. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to what they do from here. Um, I applaud what they did with this decision. Uh, yeah and i and i i've been seeing some things too like um they did a show in boston um oh yeah i did where see they this. did you see that yeah they they didn't they uh quiet out his verses or something like that yeah so they so they um they they didn't play his verses but they just stood there like in silence basically on the stage um and people were like crying on stage and everything and um, like hugging each other and stuff, and I thought that that was, you know, I mean, it kind of played like the guy had died, yeah, in right. a way, yeah, <laughs> which was a little bit like kind of strange. Like it was like more of like uh, it, that, it felt a little bit like that, like solemn. As soon as you said that, it reminded me of uh, Tribe pulling down the Five Dog banner. Yeah, yeah, that kind of oh, reminded me God. of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was like a little bit like, eh, but he's still alive and he kind of did some bad shit. Right. But right. I thought that I thought that the good part about it was like, um, it showed that like they really do care about this guy. Mm-hmm. They're really upset about what happened. It's not like they're just like, oh fuck you, man. Why did you do that stuff? You're dead to us, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, this is one of their friends. This this all this stuff came out. They they felt lied to, you know. This is they're showing like a real, real emotion based off of this, and it and it shows like, you know, they made this decision and it wasn't easy for them. It's not like they were just like, oh yeah, yeah, clearly this is what we're gonna do. Right, right. They, you they know, were, and I thought yeah. that, 
I thought that that was, I just thought that that was really cool to see, like, you know, like, they, they're really close people, and they, this is definitely something that they, it's just based off of their integrity, you know, that they had to do this. Those are great points, and that sounds like a good place to end that as well. Um, so yeah, I applaud Brockhampton. Um, Donda's house. Let's talk about that. So, yep. I, I'm so I'm thankful that you brought this story to my attention because I had no idea about this, and I found it pretty interesting. So I'm glad you, you know, came to me with this. Said, "Hey, we should talk about this." Because wow, there's there's some drama here. Um, yeah. So for clarity and for credit, I obtained most of the following information from a recent Pitchfork story titled "The State of Disarray at Donda's House: Kanye and Rhymefest Nonprofit." Uh, that was written by Mark Hogan, who's a senior staff writer over at Pitchfork. I want to give them credit. Uh, Donda's House is a nonprofit charity co-founded by Kanye West and Rhymefest in 2012. Uh, Rhymefest, if you don't know, is a is a uh, fellow Chicago-based rapper, and uh, he is a former co-writer for Kanye West. Uh, his biggest contribution in that regard would be Jesus Walks. Um, there has been some recent Twitter drama uh, regarding the charity and its co-founders. Uh, to summarize, Rhymefest accused Kanye of ignoring the charity, and then Kim Kardashian West responded by saying that Rhymefest had failed in his responsibilities. But verbatim, the tweets went as follows. Uh-huh. Rhymefest says, At Drake, when good music sends the money they owe you, will you please help us rebuild Kanye's mother's house for the youths of Chicago? I spoke to Kanye about it. His response was, Fuck the youth of Chicago. Then Kim Kardashian West replies, You haven't been right since you got kicked out of the studio in Hawaii wearing fake Yeezys at Rhymefest. Crying laughing emoji. You're over levered... Whoa. You're over lever... <laughs> you're over leveraging. Leveraging is her word, not mine. You're over leveraging Kanye's name and asked Kanye to donate money to you, so stop with your fake community politics and lies. Truth is, you haven't been able to sustain the foundation. uh, Rhymefest recently stated that Donda's house was unable to secure the financial support of Kanye despite multiple attempts. Are you taking a side on this yet? How How do you feel? Who do you believe? Uh, I mean, I feel like, I, especially in like light of recent events with Kanye, I feel like I gotta believe Rhymefest with this. <laughs> that's my that's my gut. I don't want to go out and say it, but my gut was like, yeah, I I, I want to believe Rhymefest. Okay, well, th- this is the thing too, and I don't know if you saw this today, um, but they, there's just some documents that that came out. I mean, they're the stories. I don't know. The documents are old, but. The story broke that they, these documents show that Kanye isn't a member mm. or isn't involved with the charity mm. at Donda's house, and he hasn't been um, a board member since 2016. Okay. Okay. So, hmm. Yeah, I mean, so like, I'm like, I'm like, definitely over here on Rhymefest's side. Where and I don't know if he was like, if if Kanye was exactly like, well, fuck the youth of Chicago or anything like that. 
you know. That, that was that was kind of. I don't know if that was verbatim the "fuck the youth of Chicago" thing. He he had it in quotes when he tweeted it on his tweet. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, that seems like a weird thing to say. For, yeah, I'm not gonna. Know. I'm not gonna believe. I'm not gonna believe like that kind of stuff. Right. You know, because like I, it's, that's whatever. That that's all just that's hearsay. But this stuff is what I'm looking at, and it's showing me more of like, yeah. I mean, like it sounds like even if Kanye wasn't just like, oh fuck the youth of Chicago, I don't care about them. He's showing through his actions or with this case, like, Mm non-action, that he kind of doesn't really care about the youth of Chicago, you know? Yeah. He he made this organization, and he hasn't even been involved in it for the past two years. He's not a member of it, and he's reportedly owing money to this organization to to help keep it alive. Yeah, I, I believe I saw something where it was uh, their the amount that they've raised was a lot lower than their expectations, uh, and that Kanye had been donating consistently, roughly the same amount for a couple of years, but then I guess just no word from him since. Yeah. So, and then also just the misuse of money involved in this. So, okay. So here I have this pulled up right here. Okay. Um, in in the post, they they show that the Donda's house. Into this is a 2015 report, so these are old reports. But okay. this, I mean, this will this will just go into whatever perspective you're getting on this. <laughs> they show that Donda's house earns earned just above two hundred thousand dollars in 2015, <laughs> and they shelled off a thousand dollars for one grant that year. Wow. This is a nonprofit organization. Yeah. Wow. They sh- that and it's supposed to, and it's based it's supposed to be. I mean, two hundred thousand dollars for a nonprofit is I mean is not a lot of money. Right. You know, it's not it, it's not like that's a ton of money, but a thousand dollars in a year for one grant. When the entire point of this organization is supposed to be right. to be helping the education system or you know whatever the poverty in Chicago, anything like that, so like have, you give away a thousand dollars in in just in a grant. So they have like a hundred ninety nine thousand just chilling somewhere. I mean, I'm sure that it's like that's used to like for other you know things keep, yeah. with the organization, right. keep the place running and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Pay the employees, whatever. Like, invested in other projects, but like that just seems like such a significantly low amount of money. Yeah, to be to be using on something that is supposed to be the entire point of your of your uh, organization. So, but seeing this stuff and seeing the way that like Kim Kardashian like goes after rhyme fest with this is like it's making me like think like how toxic is kim kardashian and kanye west dynamic like to just like like in general because like this is like between what he did with all of you know all the shit that we talked about on the last podcast this stuff which is not as you know, headline breaking, but still, like, what the fuck? 
right. kind of stuff. And then the way that she's just responding to Rhymefest really strangely, like, oh, haha, you're just mad because you got kicked out of the studio ten or seven years ago whenever they were recording Fantasy for wearing fake Yeezys. And, well, and he's over-leveraging Kanye's name. <laughs> right, yeah, right. So, so but, no- yeah, so it's like, it's like, it makes me it just gives me like this really bad feeling about like what their whole dynamic is you know yeah and uh i mean we'll have a lot to say about kanye's mentality on our next podcast i'm pretty sure um <laughs> yes so this is this is kanye month yes ex- it really on is on our podcast yeah <laughs> And to think we imagined doing like a separate Kanye podcast just because, and then like all of this came out. Um, so yeah, so I don't want to go out and say my kind of takeaway is that if there wasn't a line in the sand between old Kanye and new Kanye, there seems to be one now. Um, everything about this situation reeks of new Kanye getting rid of the the old Kanye. Everything from being socially conscious in Chicago, uh, publicly supporting Chicago's youth, to just being involved with Rhymefest in anything, mm-hmm. that all, to me, reeks of, like, college dropout, late registration era Kanye. And I kind of wonder how long it's been going on to where Kanye... I don't know how long his heart has been out of this charity, but I think you can kind of, judging by everything else that's happened in his career, you can kind of pinpoint an exact moment to where, oh yeah, Kanye's eventually going to just distance himself from this whole thing because that's not really what he's about now. Yeah, it shows like, I don't know, it's just, it's showing like more, this kind of stuff to me speaks volumes about like where his character is right now Mm -hmm. and he talks about like you know how he's got love for the kids and he listens to what the kids say and blah 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 you know and but like but i i feel like you know the this kind of stuff shows me that he doesn't really care what kids say he cares about like the ideas that kids bring and the right. ideas that anybody brings i think that that's like that's like he he this kind of shows that like how disconnected it, he is from like you know regular people especially poor people yeah i think that might be it i don't mean to just villainize him i think it, it i think you're right i think it might just be he's so far over here that he can't relate to you know his environment that he grew up in anymore that might be the case i don't yeah, know the, and, yeah this is all conjecture but it's just things that have been going through my mind as possibilities so it's just sad and it's like yeah, it, yeah. it's seeing it's seeing this kind of stuff that sort of cements it i mean that that like this feeling of like of of him just being a completely different person now than because he's been rich for a lot longer than he was middle class or poor or whatever he grew up in right right and 
or a youth of, in Chicago, just understanding what it was like to be a youth in Chicago, basically. So, I mean, and I that doesn't excuse him from any of this stuff, but it's like, it's just sad. It's like, it shows, like, <laughs> to me, it shows, like, that, like, a clear example of the disconnect that he has um, for for the youth in Chicago. I just, I don't know. I think it's just, it's super upsetting to, it's, like, see the, that kind of thing. It, like, you yeah. got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's, it's upsetting because Chicago hip-hop, has a history of actively trying to help out the youth of Chicago. Whether I mean the the classic example is Common. He kind of carried that right. torch for a while, uh, and then as he kind of faded out of popularity as that happened, a young Kanye West came and started making songs like Family Business or Never Let You Down. So he kind of took the reins as like, you know, I'm going to be the new savior of Chicago from a hip hop sense or whatever. And so maybe he's not that anymore. But I think this will basically all I'm saying is thank God for Chance the Rapper, because someone took this torch from Kanye now. And I'm wondering if, if I don't know if Chance has a similar foundation or a similar platform, a similar charity. But well, he's would, already he, he's already given back more exactly, than uh, that too. Yeah, I mean, he's just Kanye's than Kanye's nonprofit has because he pledged a hundred thousand dollars to to the Chicago youth, right? Just from his pocket, just without yeah. even a yeah. And so I'm I'm thankful that someone in the Chicago hip hop scene is looking out for the Chicago youth right now because it's been a it's been a consistent theme for a while. And if, if Kanye isn't interested in it, I'm glad someone like Chance the Rapper is. Because um, this is kind of like the Brockhampton thing, but the youth that listen to hip-hop, it's important to have a positive role model in, in that regard. Um, so I'm thankful for him. One thing I wanted to take away from this tweet, something that has been overlooked in this entire thing, Rhymefest was wearing fake Yeezys in the studio how are how is Rhymefest <laughs> how how is Rhymefest gonna be a co-founder with Kanye West be close with Kanye West and still end up with fake Yeezy somehow <laughs> how does Kanye not just spot him a pair of Yeezys like real that's Yeezys some re- that's some real shit if I came yeah. out with a shoe and like sold it to everyone you're my boy. I would just give you a pair. I wouldn't give you a <laughs> right. fake pair. I wouldn't be like, "Oh, here's your Yeezys or whatever." That was my takeaway from her tweet. It's like that's a that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it, it like fuck Kanye for not hooking him up with a pair of Yeezys. Yeah, like like I to me this is like either Kanye didn't give him Yeezys at all which I would hope is the case given the alternative, which is he did give him Yeezys, but they're fake. So so when I read that tweet, I'm like, wait, that's a diss at Kanye, if anything. It's not really a Rhymefest diss. It's not like he's... Um, <laughs> I mean... I like that a lot. I like I like the flip around to... You're doing like the opposite of the Kanye stan. Where you're, <laughs> yes. you're, you're, you're like flipping it around as much as possible to show why Kanye's in the wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Given given the state of things, I, I'm glad I'm on the opposition of Kanye. I, I'm, right, exactly, I'm glad I'm closer yeah. to that camp. Um, and then the last point I'll make that isn't... It's loosely related to what's going on. 
uh, Rhymefest is pretty underrated uh, in the early to mid 2000s. I, I really enjoyed his album Blue Collar when I was younger. I bought it on CD. Uh, he's hilarious. He's got a good style. Go listen to Rhymefest. That's all I got to say about that. He's he's pretty good. Nice, um, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to plug him. I mean, he is a rapper. I feel like we should mention that, you know. Um, but yeah, that's about all I had for, for Donda's house. Is there anything you wanted to, to touch up on? Um, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, I, there's not a ton of stuff out there about it other than the, you know, what you mentioned and then what I just saw today. So mostly the reason I wanted to, like I felt like it needed to be talked about is because of you know how how much Kanye is in the headlines right now what he's been up to and then you know just giving some more perspective on like okay well this is the kind of stuff that's going on in his in his real life yeah so that's what I figured it was like good it was just a good thing to like give some some perspective that's not you know just the TMZ uh, rant yeah, and uh, please give me the grace to make a lazy Trump analogy, but this is something where, like Trump, this would be a, a bigger scandal for 99% of people, but because it's Kanye West, there's other stuff right. we talk about, and then this gets buried under everything. But right. if this was if this was Chance the Rapper, you know, then it'd be like, whoa, Chance the Rapper's distancing himself from a charity he's abandoning his nonprofit. what's up with that right right but exactly, because it's yeah. kanye we have other stuff that we talk about with him and we'll continue to talk about next time on the under the scope podcast where we break nice. down the yay album yay the yay album yay yeah <laughs> uh I, it I, down yeah i don't want to spoil too much but i'm feeling let's say a 7.1 out of 10 right now for, uh, for oh, oh, interesting. Well, I'm waiting for Needle Drops review to see how I feel about it. <laughs> I'm not feeling best new music, which is a distinction I usually give. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, um, and we do score on the decimal system usually. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So that's that's uh, that ends our Kanye segment for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about him. Even after, I mean, we'll we'll find a way to bring them up no matter what. So, uh, but this right. actually was an interesting story. So I'm I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah, same here. Um, we've got about a half hour left, so we can get both of our recommendations in for the week. Nice. Yeah. Right. Uh, and mine's gonna be shorter, I think, anyway than it was last week. Um, so who wants who wants to go? Uh, you can go first. Okay. All right. Well then. Well then, allow me to allow me to take the lead here. Um, so, so my my recommendation, as I just implied, I think is a uh, it's a little different this time, um, and I think you may see this coming. Uh, I'm not recommending an album here, uh, though I could, but I'm not going to. Uh, there's been okay. a lot of good music lately that I could recommend in this spot. Um, but instead, I'm, I'm recommending that you go to a Parquet Courts concert if they visit your city, right? Nice. So Parquet Courts are an American punk band. I think they're originally from Texas, but they're now based in New York. Um, they're often given this label art punk because of their 
uh, intelligent and creative approach to punk music. It, it it's as visceral as any punk music, but there is this kind of higher intellect to it. Um, in the in the general opinion, uh, they're currently touring off the back of their new album, Wide Awake. Uh, which we may or may not discuss during our recap of 2018 uh, second quarter. Um, I caught them Saturday the 2nd at the Ready Room in St. Louis, which in my experience has been a pretty solid venue for rock concerts just every time I've gone there. Um, Standing room only. I caught car seat headrest and Japan droids there in the past. It's it's a fun time, jam-packed. Uh, makes for you know kind of a fun crowd uh, this this show though parquet courts um, it was just so much fun it was a total blast from start to finish uh, they were loud they were energetic uh, they were also just very comfortable on stage which for I don't know why I was surprised about that but they were even more confident than I expected uh, the crowd was great which always improves the overall quality of a show you go to um the the way they present themselves on stage i thought was interesting uh they're a four-piece band the drummer's in the back which you know isn't a surprise to anybody but the, yeah. the other right the parking courts are cool because they put their drummer in the back <laughs> yeah um the, super avid guard <laughs> right, right. they uh the other three members though they're they're equally linear in front of the drummer there isn't one guy that just stands out in front of the other two and these these three guys all have different styles and fashion and humor and personality it looks like they just plucked three members out of different bands and kind of made an impromptu supergroup. it really doesn't make sense when you see these guys together that they're in the same band uh, but it made for a really fun experience um, because the the way they would approach the songs, each member was giving off a different energy, and the banter they would give between songs showcased different styles of wit and humor between the members. Um, so they managed to have a ton of individuality while coming together to make this incredibly cohesive, amazing music. A uh, couple quick highlights of the show, I guess, would be uh, they they opened the show with Song of the Year candidate Total Football, which is just, I mean, that's total, nice. total fucking jam right there. Everyone yeah. shouted the fuck Tom Brady lyric at the end, which was, you know, nice. that's, that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone knew that, that lyric for sure. Even if they don't know who Tom Brady is, they knew that lyric. Right, yeah. And then um, they, they one of my favorite, maybe my favorite song by them uh, from their last album uh it's called one man no city uh they they played that song and they extended it to this 10 minute jam uh which i'm always a fan of that oh cool Any, yeah anytime you can take a song that already has a long guitar solo and just do your thing for another few minutes i'm a fan of that right i i, I wish they would have played a couple songs that they didn't um, and I'm surprised they didn't play them because they were pretty clear highlights from the new record, in my opinion. Um, that would be, uh, I guess, Violence and Tenderness. They didn't play either of those. I was a little disappointed by that. Uh, huh. o- overall, though, total blast. Um, and yeah, definitely catch them if you get the opportunity. It was only 20 this- bucks when I saw them. 
So definitely oh, worth, nice. yeah, absolutely worth yeah. the money. I got a cool poster. Um, so yeah, it, it was a, it was a fun time. Did they play like a, a like a half and half sort of of the old and new album? Yeah, so it was uh, it, it was yeah uh, like half new album uh, and half like let me let me do the math here real quick. Uh, half new album. 40% human performance and then like 10% material that was older than that. Oh, okay. But gotcha. they but they but they mixed it throughout. It wasn't like here like when I saw Nas at Bonnaroo, he's like, "Here's all the Illmatic songs." And then that, you know, <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, okay. great. So all right, just, I guess I can yeah. leave now, you know. So, uh so they sprinkled it out uh the songs that I didn't recognize because I had only heard those two albums going in, uh, but the songs that they played sounded great that I hadn't heard before. So I'm definitely going to check out their older stuff. Um, and this was my first concert of the year. I, I really should be going to more concerts, but just I haven't been impressed with a bunch of uh, uh, lineups lately, I guess. so. Yeah, festival lineups. Yeah, festival lineups and just, you know... Yeah. Uh, seeing who's playing, I'm like, eh, you know, it's it's whatever. So, yeah, yeah parquet courts. That's nice. That's yeah, parquet that, with that, a let's spell the French way, I guess. P a r q u e t courts. So yeah, not parquet as I was saying for a while. Parquet courts, <laughs> Bon yeah. Iver. Is it is yeah. that who they're opening for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the other thing. The, the opener. Uh, is it shoot i'm gonna i'm gonna be mad if i get this wrong so i'm gonna look this up real quick it's either goat girl or girl goat uh goat girl uh they're uh, a similar kind of indie lo-fi band an all-female band but they had a, a very killer opening performance very fun a lot of harmonies i'm looking this up now their album this year just got a 7.5 from nice. some unnamed music publication. Um, so yeah, so they, they were very... That sounds busy. like our scoring system. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so yeah, uh, they said that comparing any other opening act to Goat Girl would be like comparing an aquarium to blue construction paper. I'm not sure who said that. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So. They're really, really milking that one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just that, they love that comparison. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's, that's my thoughts on that. Uh, I'll talk about the album itself later, possibly. Stay nice. tuned. Yeah. Nice. Glad that that was a cool concert. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should have come, man. Fly in. Yeah. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going to see Park in Court Suite. I'll be there soon. <laughs> How much did it cost? Oh, like 150 when you're <laughs> playing tickets and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I'll uh, I'll talk about my album recommendation. Yours is a little bit more interesting than mine because you went to an actual show. No, I, no um, yours is going to be more interesting. I can, I can, I can feel it. <laughs> Damn, just no confidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, as people who may pay attention to my usual music recommendations or like my taste in general would know, I typically go uh, listen to a lot of ambient music and lately a lot of metal music. So I would say that mm. those two are probably my favorite genres overall 
So, in light of that, last week, or not last week, well, last time that we did this, I recommended a metal album. And this week, I'll recommend an ambient album. Nice. So, this is, I mean, it's it's considered ambient. I think it's more considered IDM, like, in the realm of Aphex Twin Apex sort of area. Yeah, so, but this is uh, Boards of Canada's mm. 1998 Music Has the right, right to Children. Yeah, I think that this is this is one of the more famous ambient IDM albums there is, like up there with Aphex Twins uh, albums, some of Brian Eno's work, things like that. Um, but I know, like, ambient music in general doesn't get a lot of love, and I just like talking about it. Um, because I listen to it so much, so this one um, is one of the one of the ones that is is resonates immediately. This is one of the albums that resonated immediately when I first was listening to it, and it's stuck ever since then. I mean, I just love putting this thing in a shuffle um, on on a playlist with any other ambient music, or whatever, because it fits so well with any sort of mood. Um, it's this. It's very nostalgic feeling. It's from '98. It feels, it feels sort of timeless in a way, but it has that tonality to it that takes you back to, you know, to definitely a dated time and brings about some of these kind of like comfy, nostalgic emotions. So it's really nice with that aspect. Um, kind of like brings back like old video game sounds in a way. Um, it's very melodic it's entrancing very colorful um it's it's one of those albums that i think is extremely accessible on the first listen but it's just it's just sticks with you forever um and i think it has pretty much about a hundred percent approval rating with people that listen to it you know whether like whether they whether they listen to it as much as I do or not, it's it's to a point where it's like, ooh, that's a really cool album. Um, as far as as far as I know from people that I know of that have heard it. So I mean, there's not a ton for me to say about it other than it's just super colorful and melodic, very comforting feeling, um, and it's something that that that'll last you for a while some one of those albums that each song has a different characteristic that you can find um meaning in and 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 shift around to being like oh I, I like this song better i like this song better those kind of things so it's a pretty damn near perfect album and yeah so i'm i'm, I'm gonna throw that into my rotation of go listen to this thing if you haven't heard it already and if you have heard it then go listen to it again this week because it's not a bad week to listen to it. Summertime's a good time to be listening to Boards of Canada. Well done. So. Yeah, nice work. I, I uh, as soon as you said Boards of Canada, I kind of punched myself because I, I still haven't gotten around to them yet. Though I, though I have been. I know, I know. I, I, I have been meaning to. Um, make, make this the week. You can let me know what you think. Actually, about it. that, that's a fair point. Uh, I mean, if there isn't a lot of stuff that's coming out this week i might i might get around to that um maybe i'll finally listen to the parquet courts album maybe i'll finally listen to the <laughs> kanye album we're supposed to listen to for this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no it, it's it, no you made a you made a point about approval rating and and when i do see discussions about it 
when you see discussions about any album, there's always going to be the one sourpuss in there. You know, just like, yeah. oh, this wasn't, you know. Um, they're all, yeah, they're always like, I don't think it's good just for the sake of like everybody else really likes right. it. <laughs> or just my favorite is like, this didn't age well, but like doesn't elaborate on why, just like, eh, it didn't really age well. <laughs> you know yes. and so uh but no it, but this is the case where I, I haven't seen a single negative thing about it yet uh the people who are in that kind of idm ambient community seem to just fawn over this album yeah it's time. one of those that and uh what's their other one i need to get around to geo gaddy or something like that um uh yeah, that yeah. that's i think that sounds that sounds right yeah um, there might be a third one too but i have this list that they've just been on there forever and for whatever reason i just haven't gotten around to them yet but uh yeah it's a uh, tomorrow's harvest and geo gaddy geo gaddy is the older one tomorrow's harvest is the and, is like yeah. it, it came out in 2013 i think okay and that that's the third one i've been meaning to 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 look at but yeah music has the right to children was kind of the first one uh Mm-hmm. you know the the highest priority i guess so uh so yeah I'll, I'll i'll get around to it eventually and uh i might make it i might make it my recommendation the next time we do one of these <laughs> just word for word like what i said about it <laughs> just like yeah okay yeah now i felt and i've the... loved this album for a long time <laughs> yeah i'm people who know me know i'm a big fan of ambient metal music yeah uh, right yeah. <laughs> uh so so yeah uh that's uh that's our that's our podcast for the week um yeah i always i I, i'm starting to to really love this uh the state of the music format we're we're doing but we're gonna have to take a small break uh so we can cover the new kanye west record um and the uh we're thinking about maybe another album review coming up Hmm. Yeah, there's potential. There was a lot of music that came out recently, but there is an album that we, uh, from an artist we love to talk about. We just absolutely love talking about this artist. and um, Kanye West. Right. Well, besides him. The other, <laughs> do we like talking about Kanye? <laughs> We're doing two podcasts. Yeah. Oh Kanye my gosh. Album. Yeah. For for this 21-minute Kanye album, we're going to be doing two. Or we'll do, we'll do a Kanye album review, then we'll do our Daytona review, then we'll do our yes. Kids See Ghost review. Then, <laughs> then we'll do a, a a review uh, uh, where we we react to other people reviewing the Kanye record, like, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll review their reviews. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So that's what's coming up. Uh, as always, thank you for joining me. As always, thank you for listening to this GD podcast. We yep. have fun doing it. Uh, signing off. This is your host, Will Brost. And I'm your Patrick. Patrick <laughs> Anderson. You are our Patrick. And uh, I'm your Will. And we will see you next time. Even though we really won't see you because we're doing a podcast.